Well, if you haven't been with us, we're in the midst of a consecutive ongoing expository series in the Gospel of Luke, one of the synoptic Gospels, and we are now in the ninth, starting the 19th chapter. Today, our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and the title of this message is The Mission of the Son of Man. Here now, as we read God's word from Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides now and forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, this is your holy word, and we will not comprehend it. We will not understand it spiritually. It will mean nothing to us unless you send your Holy Spirit to help us and guide us into all truth as you promised that you would. Father, today we wait upon you. Teach us more about the mission of the Son of Man. And we pray and ask this in the name of our mighty Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord and your Son. Amen. Well, if you've been with us for a while, you know a drastic shift has taken place in Jesus' journeys. He'd been doing a lot of back and forth and coming and going from the north and back to the south and over to the side and back to the... That had been going on for a while, but now he's been on a beeline path all the way up originally in Galilee, all the way down to Jerusalem. Now at last he is on the way to Jerusalem, but this time for the final time. Now once more, Luke 
transitions. He does a lot of transitions, and sometimes they're not even real clear that it is a transition, another part of a story that is taking place. But in this case, it is. Once more, Luke transitions from the outskirts. Remember last week with the beggar, he was on the outskirts of Jericho. Now this week, everything is going to take place inside the walls of Jericho. So on his final journey, Jesus has already encountered a rich man who was blind. That's the one we saw. If you looked last week, you can always go back and look at it on a live stream if you want to. Uh, but if you missed that, that was who Jesus was dealing with last week. And he was a man that was blind, spiritually speaking. On this final journey, Jesus has already encountered a rich man who was blind, spiritually speaking. And after that, a blind man who was made to see physically. This blind man, the rich young ruler, or the rich ruler, he was blind spiritually. But it was none other than the blind man that was given his sight back by Jesus. And Jesus today will engage in another person that is very wealthy. Did you notice the last three stories? There are all, there are, there's, a, there, there's a sandwich. There's a wealthy man, there's a blind man, and then there's another wealthy man. That's where we find ourselves in this journey today. Jesus is in Jericho, passing through, and today we're going to recall probably something that we knew a little bit about maybe in Sunday school, if you grew up in Sunday school. Let's try this and see if you remember this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed way up in a sycamore tree for the Lord who wanted to see. Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so, how many do you remember? I remember that very, very well. Uh, now, we can have fun with that little nursery rhyme uh, or a little Sunday school rhyme, I guess would be a better way to say it. We can have fun with that, but we must remember this story is, not a, is a very serious occasion. Jesus is going toward his death. He's on the road that leads there. And we must remember that the story occupies a serious place in Luke's account of Jesus' life. The story of Zacchaeus is the very last story that Jesus will tell. Now, Jesus is going to tell us something else. There's one more story before he actually ends up in Jerusalem and climbs all the way up to Jerusalem. But that's not a story. That's a parable. This is a story about this 
This is the story of where Luke's account of Jesus' life is here. This is the last story that's going to be told by Jesus. So that makes it significant. Uh, makes it significant. Uh, it's a fitting climax about what Jesus does. The mission of the Son of Man. And what is that mission? To bring undeserving sinners home to God. That's the purpose. So here's the outline for today. Three-point outline. The contender, the command, and the contribution. The contender, the command, and the contribution. Now, the contender, that's in verses 1 through 4 of your text. Now, one of the prominent occupants of Jericho was a, not just a tax collector, a run-of-the-mill run uh, tax collector. Uh, that was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. He was in deep with the establishment and particularly with the Romans. His name in Greek means, guess what? Innocent. And he was anything but innocent. No way would you call that filthy Zacchaeus innocent. He was a charlatan. You see, he was in, in alliance with the vilest of all groups, the Romans. And he was a collaborator against his own people. He was betraying his own people. So zealous was he to get more money and wealth to, like Silas Marna, Scrooge-ish like. He wanted to get more and more and more. So, to say he was rich, <laughs> that was an understatement of gargantuan proportions. He was what we would call, today we have a phrase for this, filthy rich. <laughs> he wasn't just a little rich, he was filthy rich. But, of course, he was despised and hated by his own people. Now, all that's setting up. Jesus is, is coming through. But this is all being set up so we know what kind of man this is. How selfish, how greedy he is. But someone changes him. Now, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus, for some reason... Wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, how do we know that? Well, most likely, or what do we know? Most likely, we know that he, along with many, many others all over the land, were wanting to see Jesus. Jesus was a rock star in his time at this point. Still, things were 
Some were beginning to leave, but there were still great multitudes that were gathering and coming to him. And this entourage, particularly on this journey up Jerusalem, just kept collecting more and more, and it just grew and grew. Likely, he had heard much about Jesus, but he hadn't, of course, seen him. And there was a problem for Zacchaeus, remember? He was vertically challenged. (laughs) He was a what? Wee little man. He was short of stature. But because he was that short guy, he made, he was not stupid. He knew that he needed to get ahead of the crowd before everybody pressed in and he would have no way of seeing more of Jesus or possibly even being able to say something to him or hear something from him. He wanted to get ahead of the crowds, so he climbed up a sycamore tree. (laughs) I've got one right across uh, our house, right across our street on the other side. A giant sycamore tree, big limbs. And uh, so he wanted to get a glimpse at Jesus. And so he ran ahead and climbed up that tree. Now, I call this section what? I said in the points, it's the, con- it's the contender. And normally you think of a contender as a, like a boxer or a fighter. But contending for, trying to get a, a, a victory over someone, that's what, in a sense, Zacchaeus was doing. He was a contender trying to get his close to Jesus as possible. And he knew he's going to have to fight and work hard and be creative in order to do it. Otherwise, he would just get trampled. So he's a, he may be small in stature, but he's got a lot of ump. And he's a contender trying to somehow get close to Jesus. Maybe Somehow the Lord had already put something in his mind that made him to be so fastidious and so intent on getting close to Jesus. Now, the second part of the text is the command. Zacchaeus has gone to great lengths to see Jesus, but guess what? It's Jesus that goes to a very important link to see Zacchaeus. Before Zacchaeus can figure out what he's going to try to say to Jesus or somehow he's up in that tree and all of a sudden Jesus turns and looks straight at him and says, Zacchaeus, come on. Come on down, my friend. We're going to your house today. We're going to have dinner at your house. Literally, the text says, It is necessary for me to stay in your house. It's necessary. Now, you know what? If I I just showed up at your house uh, uninvited, or you you probably wouldn't exactly appreciate that. But in that time, that culture, in the Eastern culture, it was like, especially somebody of significance. Oh, they're coming to my house. I want everybody to know. Get all, whatever we have to do. That's what 
Zacchaeus couldn't believe that Jesus, the one he was just hoping to get close at least, or maybe get a glimpse of him, or maybe be able to say something, he was going to have Jesus as his guest. So notice the urgency of Jesus' command for Zacchaeus to come down and get supper ready for him. And instantly, Zacchaeus scurried down the tree, and when he arrived, he received the Lord Jesus joyfully. He wasn't, he was absolutely pumped. He was absolutely amazed that Jesus was coming to his house. But he also had some things on his heart and on his mind. He knew things weren't right with him, spiritually speaking. Now, can you imagine, though, just pause for there for a second. Can you imagine how shocked the crowds were when they heard Jesus was inviting a man like Zacchaeus, scum, like him? That would be like the way they would have viewed that. That would have been like us. In back in the 30s, inviting Al Capone to come and have dinner with us. It's crazy. Of all the people, why would this rabbi of such renown, why would he go at home and eat with and welcome sinners like Zacchaeus? I wonder if he could be the one who is the savior of sinners. Indeed, he is. Finally, the contrition. That's in verses 8 through 10. Now, having accepted Jesus's initiative to come to Zacchaeus's house, he can't wait. Zacchaeus cannot wait to show Jesus that he's contrite about his past sins and all of his shortcomings. Standing up, probably taller than he ever stood up in his little life before, stature-wise, the city's most notorious sinner repented openly for all to see. For anyone that was in that vicinity around, there probably were numbers gathered around just to say, I got to see this. I can't believe this is happening. But he stands up for all to see. And he doesn't just say, you know, I, I kind of haven't been maybe as good as I should be. No, he basically just unveils it all. Admits to his thievery, admits to his wrongdoings. You see, he comes clean about his sins and his shortcomings. In some ways, he was not just promising, he was not just promising to be generous, but with the resources that he had, but he was promising to make restitution for all the people that he had stolen from. 
He was going to go back and, and you say, well, that would be pretty hard. But wait a minute, he's a tax collector. He's got copious notes and ledgers of every single account that he's done, that he's swindled people out of and passed off to the Roman forces and powers. But he has records for all of that. And he says, I will go and essentially record by record in every one of these that I have done wrong, I will make right. Now you call, that's what you call repentance, showing its colors. You see, in every instance in which he cheated anyone, he promised to make it right. He did it with the rich young ruler, did what the rich young ruler, remember a couple of times before, stories before, he didn't. He loved his wealth and he wouldn't let it go to follow Jesus. Zacchaeus is willing to let it go and follow Jesus. What a different story. That's the contrast that Luke gives us here. He did what the rich ruler refused to do. Now, in addition to that, Zacchaeus showed outward evidence of an inward change. When there's true repentance, there should also not only be an inward change, but there should be outward evidence. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus was showing here. Here, in Jesus' presence, at his own home, here is an example of something that blew the disciples away a couple of chapters ago. Do you remember what, they, what Jesus said about the rich ruler? He said what? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And now, here is an actual living, breathing in the flesh example of a repentant rich man who got through the eye of the needle. It's almost impossible. But Jesus said, not with God. It's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Imagine that. <laughs> Jesus, a little while before, says that. And then he brings that reality for his disciples to see. And they are going. The impossible has happened. It's right standing in front of them all and all around him. This, this reminds me, we're kind of getting close, aren't we? Before you know it, <laughs> the way things keep flying by, every progressing. By the way, younger, young folks, if you think it takes a long time to get things just wait. It, it, you, it will faster through the years. It just goes, time goes faster. So we're going to be, Christmas is going to be upon us. So I might, might steal a little something here from a Christmas carol. You know that story, of course. And at the end of a Christmas carol, after 
uh, Ebenezer Scrooge has been changed and a new man. And now he's beginning to put it into practice. What does it look like to be the kind of generous man in his community? You probably will know this. You know it well in so many of the versions. But this is Charles Dickens, where at the end, it says this. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. He became a good friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew. That's Zacchaeus-esque. That's an earlier version of what God did in his heart and what Dickens did pointing out the mercies of God and the kindness of God and the generosity to others, showing the fruit of giving. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, then, right after that's been laid out there, Jesus made this amazing assessment of his visit with Zacchaeus. Look at verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. It's not that it is earned by anyone in this house. It has come by the grace of God. But it has come to this house since He also, and Jesus is saying to all the crowds around him, this man that you despise, he also now, because he has trusted in me, has been forgiven by God. And he is a true son of Abraham. And for a long time, Jesus has been telling the righteous, self-righteous religious leaders of his day, you are not. You are not worthy. You do not love God. But he says, this man is a true son of Abraham. Remember John the Baptist said, if God wants to, he can raise up stones. But he says, so, listen to this quote by Ralph Davis. Again, uh, former professor of mine, I often quote him. Uh, This is what he has to say on, on this exact point. Salvation came not because of what Zacchaeus promised to do in verse 8. He said, that's not, that's not, that's not what, it didn't earn him or get him. It was what Jesus would do. Zacchaeus was not because of what Zacchaeus promised to do. What he would do was rather the evidence of his salvation. Just like I said earlier. It's the evidence. It's the proof of the pudding. Because he no longer has his money as his biggest idol. It's been displaced. And now his love is on Jesus. 
Rich Zacchaeus then stands in contrast to the rich ruler in 18, 18 through 23. For the salvation shows here a rich man who has slithered through the eye of the needle into the kingdom of God. Nor is Zacchaeus being a son of Abraham a matter of merit. It's a matter of propriety. In other words, it's the perfectly fitting thing. He's now truly an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He is now in right standing with God. And he will be in Abraham's bosom when his time to go comes. It is a matter of propriety. Even he is one of the covenant people of God. One of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Jesus is fulfilling Yahweh's word of Ezekiel 34, 16. And bringing the lost among the covenant people back to the Lord. That's why Jesus came. That was the mission of the Son of Man. To come and bring back the lost. To find them. And bring them back home through what he will do on the cross that we will be looking at soon enough. You see, Jesus likely then pointed at Zacchaeus, restating his mission in coming to planet earth. What's that mission? The mission of the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came for what purpose? To seek and to save the lost. Not those who think they're already good enough. Or think they can become good enough by anything they ever do. It is only... The son that can set us free. The son of God is the only one that can make us free. And make us welcome into the father's house. For the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Now, there's a thematic link to the three-part parable of the prodigal son. But remember I told you when we were there in Luke 15, it's not really the prodigal son. It's the prodigal sons. And it's really not just the two boys, the two versions of it. It's three events. A coin, a sheep, a sheep, a coin, and a lost son. You see, that three-part parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son. What do they have in common? Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors. If you go back to Luke 15 at the first, that's the first thing you see. There is Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And they're flocking to him. And all of the self-righteous religious leaders are incensed. They don't get it. They don't have a clue. 
But Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Why? Precisely why? Because that's the reason he came down from heaven to become one of us. It is that reason it was his mission to seek, to go wherever he had to go to find the lost sheep of Israel. To seek and save that which is lost. That's how our text ends today. Now, on the eve of this final ascent to Jerusalem, Jesus is about to start up that long and winding road. Jesus has one last occasion to kind of set the record straight concerning the issues of wealth and the kingdom of God. And he's going to do it next week with a parable that explains everything. But the question is, will the disciples and will we get its message? So you're going to have to hang on for that. You're going to have to hold on. You see, a parable will be explained But will the disciples then and now have ears to hear? So stay tuned next week as Jesus climbs, as I said, that long and winding road to Jerusalem and continues the mission of the Son of Man. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your Son on such a mission. Oh Lord, as we are going to see in the weeks, months ahead, what, was, what is coming as Jesus climbed up that hill from Jericho into Jerusalem. Oh Father, but thank you, that's what he had to do and he was willing to do it, to seek and save that which is lost. Father, We, many of us, have been there. And we're not better than anyone else. Now, we're still far from what we should be. But Lord, there are many that need to have the Savior open their eyes and their hearts spiritually and give them a new heart and a new mind and a new love for you. Father, thank you that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Lord, will you bring many, many more sons and daughters to to glory? Will you bring many more into the kingdom and make more and more true sons of Abraham? All to your glory and to your praise, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.